This episode was brought to you with the support from listeners like you. Special thanks to superfan BFF level supporters Kyle H., the man with the hat, and Violet Passion. If you want to support this podcast and keep this project rolling, visit thepaceytapes.com. On our website, you can learn more about joining the Pacey Tapes fan club, sponsoring a whole episode of the show, or contributing to the nuts and bolts that make this podcast go. Visit thepaceytapes.com. Oh, hello! This is Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Pasty Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording live today from my closet in Chicago. Earlier this month, I had a couple of really, really cool opportunities. My alma mater invited me out to talk about how I've made it in my career, which I think is really funny because I find career and making it to be very, very loose terms. And then I was also invited to give a talk to a group of women in creative and marketing industries with a focus on my 10-year plan. And really in both, I was supposed to, you know, give some sort of big talk, but I treated it like a Q&A and also doled out advice that I probably shouldn't have been giving. But in both talks, in both of them, this was something I really wasn't sure if I would do, but I ended up doing it in the moment. And I'm really grateful that that happened. I talked about burlesque in both of them. So I stood there in front of a group of 18 to 22 year olds, and then a group of basically my industry peers and told them that I am a fat, sparkly, dancing naked lady outside of this nine to five, which, you know, the group of creatives and marketing professionals, right? They hooted and hollered and that was really fun. And then the undergrads were just literally Googling burlesque in front of my eyes. So I don't, I don't know what they saw, but you know, that's, that's what they did. But in each one, I found myself talking about burlesque and how much I love burlesque and how much burlesque has influenced my day-to-day life and how I handle it. And I challenged both audiences to figure out, like, what is their version of being a fat, sparkly, dancing naked lady? Figure that out. That is way more important than a 10-year plan or landing the right internship to get the right job out of college. And so to that, I say, I'm so grateful for burlesque. I love burlesque so much. I love the year it has given me. I love all this friendship and love that it has given me. So thank you, burlesque goddess, for being a part of my life and also giving me a way more interesting presentation than I think either of those audiences were expecting. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. My guest today is singer actress, burlesque dancer, burlesque MC, and world-renowned car thief, Boo Bess. Boo and I first met at Front Row Paul's Burlesque Bonanza back in March, and then I saw her a month later at the Show Me Burlesque Festival, and then I saw her a month after that at Beehoff. So I had three nice months in a row where I got to spend quality time with this very, very lovely individual. I totally adore her. She's also been such a wonderful cheerleader to me. I recently got an underbutt tattoo, and I had two really, really supportive people in my corner with this. Um, First was Dottie Riot out of Philadelphia, who is a pure 
Angel. I love her so much. And she was so hyped for this tattoo. And second was Boo Bess, who under all of my butt focused pictures that I posted on Instagram, you know, she wrote, send this girl money, get this woman a butt tattoo. And also shared some of my pictures saying that too, which is so funny to me. And I love it. And so whenever I look at my butt, you know, Dottie and Boo, I'm thinking of you. This episode was actually recorded sometime after Beehoff. There's also some technical glitch that happens throughout. So if it sounds weird, it's because I was trying to fix it. Hopefully it's not too noticeable. This is my conversation with Boo Bess. Boo Bess, thank you so much for talking with me today on the Pasty Tapes. I'm so excited to have you on the line. I'm excited to be here, Shomai. Okay, I feel like I've seen you a bunch of times this year. Like I met you this year and I feel like in- We met this year. We did meet this yeah, year. Yeah, we met like what, four months ago and I've seen you like three or four times. <laughs> we met I, in um, Indianapolis. We did. We met in, what was that called? The Raggedy Ann house? Is that what that doll's called? That's what, it was Raggedy Ann. Yeah, it was like the, it was like a historic site turned a giant Airbnb where Raggedy Ann was created we're not we're not sure it was weird but it was was great and like front row paul united us and it was a great weekend it was so good i mean i think like one of my first memories of you is like you came in you like snack noshed on whatever snacks you know the the um arkansas girls like made yeah yeah and like everyone was kind of turning down like you know going to their rooms in the various corners of the attic of this gigantic house and then like you and dirty and front row paul like sat down and watched rupaul's drag race that's right. And it was like super late but at we night. Couldn't, we couldn't even get the first episode. We only watched the Meet the Queens episode. It was like not even a full episode. It was just like the pre-episode and the music was terrible. And we just sat. Yeah, it, it was late. It was super late. And we tried to order a pizza. Or was that a different night? I don't know. I don't know. Just, but it was wild. It was but blur. it was a good time. It was a good time. And then like, I feel like I saw you, what, like a month or two later at the Show Me Burlesque Festival. Yeah, in St. Louis. Yes. And that was a good time. And then I saw you again at Beehoff. We just, it was a matter for us getting to know each other. I like this. I like, I like this like bi-monthly check. In, this little <laughs> touch point. I hope this continues. Let's keep doing it. Tell me your burlesque origin story. Where did Boo come from? My burlesque origin story is interesting, I think. I mean, I am an actress, and that's what I came to New York to do. I moved to New York in 2004. I dropped out of the University of Georgia because I hated it, and I moved to New York to go to a musical theater called AMDA. And I dropped out of that, too, because <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to work. And I was an 18, 19 year old that was pretty sure I knew what I was doing and, and could behave like a 30 year old. So I just made it up as I went along. And about 10 years ago, so 2008, that's like 11 years ago, I guess, I auditioned. I saw an audition notice for a burlesque comedy and you had to do a, a burlesque act for the audition and my first instinct was oh my god that's terrifying I could never do that and then my second instinct was that's why you should try it so any experience other than you know what's similar to a lot of burlesquers have kind of like a love of that old Hollywood kind of energy that burlesque has I made up an act um, to a Christina Aguilera cover it was like a postmodern jukebox before postmodern jukebox existed it was like some weird i wish i I wonder if i could find it it was some like weird christina aguilera cover and like stripped out of stuff i had and i got the part 
and it was a terrible play. It was a comedy that took place at Broadway Comedy Club, and I met Sizzle Dizzle. I met a performer named Lady Scoutington, and I met a performer named, she called herself Cat Manja. Her real name was Molly. And we all did this terrible burlesque, scripted burlesque comedy. Nobody ever got paid. The producer was <laughs> so shady. Um, but it introduced me to the world. And Sizzle Dizzle said, if you're curious about this, go find Joe Boobs and take classes at the New York School of Burlesque, which, of course, I never did because I was an idiot and I liked fucking up by learning instead of having somebody teach me how to do it. Which is okay. So, That's totally a valid <laughs> route to go. Yeah. It's always been my favorite. Trial by fire. You know? Um, and instead I went I, with my friend, Molly, she took me, she said, you have to come see this show called Kitty Nights that was produced by Femme Appeal. She produced that show every Sunday for eight years, I think in New York, it's a $5 cover and everybody did that show. And I, I think that night I met Darlinda, just Darlinda and I don't know, a lot of people. And I was just so enamored with this world mostly because as an actor who had just done a series of, I started out doing B-horror films in my early career. You know, you have very little effect on the full outcome of the product. You know, you have to have a good writer and a good director and a good editor and a good script and all this kind of stuff. And all I could do was the best I could as an actor. But in burlesque, there was all this autonomy. And I could create the concept and this and be totally in charge of whatever this five-minute story was that I was putting on stage. And I, I didn't have to wait for anybody to cast me in the role. I could just do it. So I introduced myself to Femme Appeal, and she booked me. Back then, it really was just that easy. So I, she liked the way that I approached her, and then I just started doing it. And then I just started going to shows, and people, you meet more people, they tell you who to introduce yourself to, and just snowballed. And I actually resisted burlesque being such a big part of my life for a really long time, because I was like, no, I'm an actress. I'm not a burlesque dancer. I got myself the opportunity to dive in headfirst. It was like a really slow boil for me. <laughs> so now, 10, 11 years in, it's how I make my living. Right. Okay, so are you still acting? For sure. I mean, I never played, I never play any game the way that I'm told the rules are. So like the reason I never had a hugely successful acting career, or certainly haven't yet, is because I didn't want to get up at five in the morning and go to EPA's equity um, principal auditions. And like, you know, I just like, I never sort of hustled the way one had to hustle to get the job is the corpse on law and order. Like I just like found my way into the right offices. I, I, I've had different representation over the years, but long story short, yes, I'm still acting, but it's, you know, theater. And I spent the last three, four years doing this one woman show that was a really amazing experience. I traveled all over the country doing that. It was written and directed by a friend of mine and it was her story. And then I played it. And it was like this 80 minute one woman show about a woman's search for her birth parents my adopted her, her birth parents and we used it we performed at these adoption conferences all over the country and I won an award for like a United Artists United Theater Festival here in New York 100% still take those opportunities when they present themselves to me and I still consider myself 
as a performer, the, the, the end goal for me always is acting or storytelling of, of any kind. And burlesque was just another avenue towards that. It was just another avenue for performing and, and communicating with, you know, other humans. What I've seen you perform uh, burlesque to your work as an MC, like I think you are such a master storyteller, someone who really has that craft down. How did you start finding yourself in this storytelling art form? Story, I never, you know, all, it's all storytelling, really, if you come down it. And it's, it's actually funny to hear you say that you think I'm a wonderful storyteller because I, somebody asked me what I do for a living. I don't think that's initially what I would say, but I think you're right. Oh, what would we're you say? Story, we're all, what would I say? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of hyphenates. What do you do? I, I'd say I'm a burlesque MC probably first burlesque MC producer dancer I sometimes say cabaret performer depending on who's asking oh yeah that's definitely what my mom thinks that <laughs> I do for fun yeah I mean I'll still say actress if I'm if I'm you know working it's just it's for, it's ever evolving and I think probably my whole life the answer to that question will always be evolving at what point like did you realize that this was something you love or enjoy doing it was a self-acceptance thing. You know, I carried a lot of shame um, that was not necessary about what I was doing or sort of um, feeling like a failure for the thing that I set out to do, worrying about what my mom thought or my old friends thought or how this is, what does this say about me? How do people perceive me? I've spent a lot, way too much time in my life worrying about what other people think of me. So just like self-acceptance, <laughs> such, a, like, such a cheesy answer, but you know, when I finally came to be like, you're allowed to love this and this is a valid thing that you're doing. And this is, is important thing that, that you do believe in and you don't have to sort of cast it aside which I did for a really long time. So I think, yeah, kind of like, honestly, the simplest question is getting over what my mom thinks. Does she know that you are a burlesque performer now? Yeah, yeah. She knows and she's, you know, loving and accepting and I have wonderful parents, but it's like not what she envisioned for me, you know? Right. And I'm like, oh God, I'm disappointing my mom. I didn't get a degree. And, you know, it just took me a really long time to let go of all that shit. Yeah, I think a lot of people would relate to that, though, for sure. And I just think it's like it's amazing. What an amazing, exciting, like fun fucking life I get to live. Plus, you know, I living in New York, I meet amazing, awesome, exciting, smart, talented people all the time. And particularly in this wild field that we've chosen. Right. Tell me about life in New York. I'm going to leave that as open-ended as I can. Um, I've visited New York a couple times. I think I was like eight. And again, when I was, I don't know, 16 or something. And so so you've never been here as an adult. You've only come as like a kid and a teenager. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think I need to come visit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You can come sleep on my couch. I have a really nice blow up mattress. Oh, I would love that. Do you like dogs? So we have two dogs. I love dogs. Also, if you have not read Boo Bess's bio on her website about her dog. I think you only talk about one dog there. You have to. People need to read that. I got to the end and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, that took a turn I wasn't expecting. 
that entrance was a little little Easter egg for people that make it all the way through that bio. I can't believe you read that whole thing. I am a sucker for those kinds of things. I oh. fucking love it. But anyway, okay. I'm fine with dogs. I would happily sleep on your blow-up mattress and your dogs. Like, that's fine. New Tell York. Tell me about life in New York. Yes. yes. I've lived in New York for 15 years. So my entire adult life I've been here. I moved here on my own when I was 19. And I'm not sick of it yet. You know, people ask, like, do you think you'll stay in New York forever or will you get tired of it and, and go somewhere else? And I say, I, I, I don't know. Who knows what, what kind of life I'm going to want 10 years from now? But I haven't squeezed enough juice out of it yet. It's just one of the most, maybe the most uniquely energetic city I've ever been in. And I live here. I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's, yes, it's huge, bajillions of people. You have to walk everywhere. The only exercise I get is going up and down 8 million stairs, commuting on trains every day. There's a lot of things that are super annoying about it. But at the end of the day, it's magic. I mean, that's all I can say. It's like there's something to be said about the type of person who chooses this place. Yeah. Like you have to want to squeeze the juice out of it. Burlesque in New York is really the only burlesque I know. Like my resistance to burlesque in general equated to me not applying to festivals for many, many years, not even attempting to travel out of New York because I was arrogant and I was kind of like, well, I mean, why would I go anywhere else when there's all these cool people here? Like I was doing shows with Dirty Martini and, and Julie Atlas Muse like a couple years out performing just because those were the gigs that everyone was doing. Tell me more about like being a New York City show. New York showgirls love the costumes that pack small. <laughs> I mean, we all end up making acts with, you have to be really clever about your time on stage because nobody's building props that they're getting around, you know? And when you're doing two shows a night or, you know, it's a, it's a grind, man. You're like rolling roller bags and carrying bags full of feathers and, and you never know what person's going to be in the, that, the club that night it could be dead it could be full of celebrities like you know every day is um, a different adventure and every audience is a different audience that's for sure do you have a celebrity that you want to talk about um the first time i met alan cumming i absolutely 100 percent lost my cool i was actually cr being introduced to trevor noah <laughs> who was so sweet and stood up out of his chair, very, very handsome. My hand looked me in the eye. Nice to meet you. Sorry we missed the show. We'll come back next time. And then my friend Mikey goes, boo, this is Alan. And I turned, and Alan Cumming was sitting at the same table. And I literally just dropped Noah's hand. I forgot that he existed. And I, like, fell to the ground in front of Alan Cumming and, like, babbled like an idiot about how we're supposed to be friends it's the only celebrity i like completely couldn't stay cool and i've so many times now and i still i like try to like pretend and like hope i'll be like well we met at this place like of course he doesn't fucking remember me but he's you know he's just a, a fixture here but the first time i met him i wasn't i wasn't cool about it it's just you know in new york it's like it feels like the center of the universe i know it's not i've been other places I love other places, but, and the, the key to living in New York is getting the fuck out of New York on a very regular basis. It's the only way to survive. Otherwise, it's oppressive. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Because the energy is intense, but I'm also madly in love with New Orleans, like deeply, deeply in love with New Orleans. And I have, I go back at least once a year. 
because that city also has an incredible energy. And for me, it's the antidote to New York. Now that you've been traveling a lot more for burlesque, like what are you starting to see or what did you discover, I guess, about the scene, the burlesque scenes outside of New York City? Well, when I finally joined for burlesque, I just realized that there are smart, beautiful, weird, perverted, talented people everywhere. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and we we have found each other in this art form. And you could say the same thing about a lot of different art forms. That's what's special about communities like ours. You know, I used to be, when I was in my early 20s, I was sort of cocky that all the smart, talented people were in New York. And I was really wrong. There are a lot of smart, talented people here, but they're everywhere. America's fucking fascinating and weird and multi in every sort of sense of that word. And I love finding, finding soulmates from all over the place. Yeah. So one of your frequent collaborators, or I see, see this person as being a frequent collaborator of yours, right? Definitely not from New York City, um, is Front Row Paul. Front Row Paul. <laughs> How did you meet Stan from, not even from Indianapolis, like, right? We know him as Indianapolis because that's like the next biggest city. Yeah, Indiana. Out, like, middle of nowhere, Indiana. Yeah. How did you cross paths with Front Row Paul? Tell me about this producer, MC relationship that you two have. Okay, so a couple years ago, I did a tour with Twirly Whirly Burly Q, which was Ula Uberbusen, Rosie Cheeks, and myself. I was a replacement for Hazel Honeysuckle, who was doing her first round of absinthe in L.A., I believe, was the conflict at the time. So she's on that tour the two summers before that, the two springs before that, and couldn't do it. And so they asked me if I could fill her shoes. First, they asked me if I could drive a car. <laughs> and then they asked me if I would take part. And it was this epic tour that Ula put together, like 28 shows in 30 days all over the country, just like you drive all day, load the car, do the show, load the car back up, like sleep sometimes in a hotel room, sometimes on somebody's pullout couch, get up in the morning, drive the car, do the whole thing again. It was a wild experience. And that tour is really what took me to New York and into the wilds of America burlesque for the first time. And one of the stops on that tour was the White Rabbit Cabaret in Indianapolis. And they, Ula and Rosie, knew Paul from the year before Lee Whirly had come through, and Paul sat in the front row, and he was, you know, his usual enthusiastic audience member, but Rosie and Ula built up this venue, the White Rabbit, to me, the whole time, wait till we get to Indianapolis, wait till you see this venue, it's so cool, it's so special, and it didn't disappoint, it, it really is, and, and this amazing, special place yeah. in Indiana, who knew, and, um, Paul, the reason he thinks this story is funny is Paul didn't know who I was. Why would he? And was really disappointed that Hazel wasn't going to be there because he loves Hazel. <laughs> and he was like, I don't remember he was talking to Rosie or he was talking to, Ula. oh, I'm so sad that Hazel's not coming. And they were like, it's okay, Paul, you're going to love this new girl. <laughs> wow. And so I was, I, sh I showed up, we did the show and he tells me now the story of the moment that he in burlesque love with me, I came out and I sang, I did one of my singing strips 
And, you know, he was sitting there taking pictures, but without looking at his phone and then in that way that he does. And he still has all of these photos. Oh, yeah. And he just was the sweetest thing ever. He and Michelle, his wife, planned a trip to New York. And they came to New York and they saw a bunch of shows, but they saw me host. He said that when he saw me host that show, that he wanted me to, he just was just decided that I was the best MC that ever existed. And he said, you're the host for all my shows. And he, the first one I hosted for him, Burlesque Bonanza, was in Detroit with Holly Hawk um, as part of Easy Sunday's show with this really cool, beautiful jazz venue in Detroit. So I did Detroit, and then I did Bonanza in Indianapolis, and then I did one in New Orleans, and then I did that one with you months ago. And he, his just his little world has changed so much since I met him. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Jeez Louise that gave him some kind of Instagram bump. She's the one that named him, Front Row Paul. And he just went from being just like a regular guy who, who mm-hmm. loved to post pictures of burlesque dancers to like an, an influencer, which is so, which it was just as weird to him as it was to anybody else. But he just is this really pure soul who just loves this thing that we do. Like, I almost actually said no to the March Bonanza because I was like, I'm not going to be ready. Like, rah, rah, rah. and then it was like, no, like, OK, like if I have this big show in March, like uh, I'm going to make myself ready. And so like that was like his show was like a big like driving force for like getting my shit together and like leveling up as best as I can and all of that. But yeah, I don't know. I love him. He's great. <laughs> He's great. He's done a lot for my confidence as an MC, honestly, like. I there I definitely had you know, I knew I wanted to MC. I started I was with a troupe called Storybook Burlesque for years and I started MCing for them. Um and I took to it pretty naturally, but also didn't really know how I fit in to the world of MCs because like I don't play a character and that was so when I started doing it that was kinda like the way you did it and I didn't like like jokes you know I didn't like write material I really just kind of go off the cuff when I'm hosting and for a long time I didn't think that that was enough but you know he just loves it and it gave me the confidence to just put myself out there and trust my instincts and it's what's made me be able to develop material as an MC, really because that's how you do it you just do it and try stuff and you have an idea and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but he gave me the platform to stretch and grow as an MC because he's like here's this four-hour show like have fun (laughs) right (laughs) I think you as an MC fun like you are you are definitely one of my favorite MCs out there I love doing it I think at least right now where I am it's much more uh invigorating for me to the idea of MCing as opposed to like I haven't really like been excited about crafting and creating a new burlesque number in a long time that's a that's a soul really like making duets uh because it's more collaborative let's talk about duet work then that's a good segue um you have this incredible act that i think I, I, my assumption is everyone around has heard of this, uh, the passenger act with Jenny Saquois, mm-hmm. uh, who is your duet partner in this act. I remember reading about it in 2018, like, you know, seeing people's Beehoff reactions. Like I stayed up to what the results were and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember the internet, like 
cracking and then breaking <laughs> open with like holy shit like they did that like what the fuck like all of this like really intense like reaction and then when the video finally came out I think it <laughs> yeah, was nine months later yeah nine months later like after you know hearing about it so much um I remember seeing it and you know turning to like whoever like turning into my partner and being like oh my god like you need to watch this like everyone needs to watch this and that was everyone's reaction too and I finally got to see it live and in person at the show me burlesque festival and it was every bit of incredible that I ever wanted it to be um, <laughs> can you tell me about that act like how it came to be um how you feel about it give me give me all the juicy else very very juicy act <laughs> It's so simple, honestly, the way that act came together. It's like a true just moment. It was just, it was ready to be born. Uh, the concept of the act was Jenny's first. She said uh, there was this all nude show. We made it to do, we created the act to be done fully nude. Um, and she goes, what we did like a hitchhiking thing to the passenger. That's it. That's what she said. What if we did it like a, a hitchhiking number to the passenger? And then I was like, oh, yeah, we could do like a pantomime. We just put two chairs next to each other. And then we just sat down and did it. I mean, it was that simple. And then I was like, oh, I should steal the car at the end. She was like, oh, funny. Great idea. <laughs> that was it. And we did it for this this one show. And it was very simple. And we did it. You know, we just it started getting booked. And um, the costumes were not intended to be, like, showy, really, because uh, it was meant to be natural and, um, you know, we didn't want rhinestones and all that stuff. It was supposed to be, like, a gritty kind of 70s, like, film. Um, but when we got into the New York Burlesque Festival with it, I think we added, we had to add pasties and G-strings. And then I added, I switched to that red dress that I wear now when I do it. And then when we got into Beehoff, which was shocking. First of all, we really didn't think that that act would get accepted. Really? Because I thought it was too racy. Oh. And I thought if it did get in, maybe Thursday. Maybe. So we were shocked when it got into to the competition. And um, I'm not particularly competitive. So I didn't, it was really fun to do because I wasn't worried about winning. I think categorically, I sort of knew we didn't have a chance of winning. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, you know, the, the judging has like a dancing category or so, and we don't really dance in that act. I was like, well, we will never get any dancing points. So like, we won't be able to win, but we were able to really just have fun when we did it that night. Um, and we'd done it, we'd been doing it for years already by the time Vegas. So it was pretty well muscle memory like well we just we knew it and we were able to just be present in the moment and the most satisfying thing about that night was just nailing the act like when so many times we've messed up everything that can be messed up <laughs> you know like yeah. the, the thing doesn't come off or the button or my nail or the coat gets stuck or the I can't get over her shoulder on the chair or whatever like we fucked all the different things um, and we didn't fuck anything up that night. It was so great. It was such a satisfying feeling. It's such but, a good and simple and flawless and, like, incredibly sexy act. Yeah, so Jenny and I are best friends, for sure. Love that girl. We started, we met doing storybook burlesque together, which was a really amazing troupe, really awesome 
collaborative experience early in my burlesque career. And our energy is so platonic. Like, I can't even imagine making out with Jenny. Like, that would just be the weirdest thing in the world. And I think that's why the act is able to be so sexy is because we can play in those characters and but it's like really not real right but like i also do not mind putting my hand on her vagina you know like her mouth goes on my vagina when we do that number and there's nothing sexy about it to us like we're we think it's fucking hilarious and so people talk about how hot it is to watch and we're like giggling while we're doing it for sure oh my god i just really love this act it's incredible. If people haven't seen it, like you're definitely missing out. You can find it literally all over the internet. It's storytelling, right? Like we were talking about, like it's really simple. And I did this thing in high school, um, forensics. It was like speech and debate competitions. But there was, uh, there were categories that were like a- acting, like you do speeches, or and there's a category called duo interpretation, and that's the one I like to do. Uh, and I, you know, nationally competed doing it, but it was kind of nerdy thing where you do a scene but the, your scene partner and you are standing next to each other facing the same direction and you do the scene as though you're facing each other so this idea of facing the audience was one that I was familiar with also when you're driving in a car you're both facing forward and I love pantomime you know there's so many ways to express something to an audience that doesn't require building a giant prop. imagine if we made a giant cardboard car and done that act in it like it would have it would have ruined it yeah and I think you know just the the person connection is more powerful it's so brilliant so much love to Jenny so much love to the two of you and so much love to that act Thanks. She talked me into doing it last night. I was hosting um, at the Slipper Room, and she was in the show, and she was like, do you want to do Passenger? And I said yes, even though I don't like <laughs> I don't like hosting and then also doing that act because it's, it's kind of hard to switch <laughs> gears, yeah. as it were. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> Boobess, thank you so much for being on the Pasty Tapes. It was such a joy speaking with you, learning about your burlesque origin story, hearing about the Passenger. I'm so grateful I got a chance to talk with you. I'm so glad that we've got into cross paths like every other month this year. It is so wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you in New York City? Oh, wow. Okay. So on the internet, on the Instagram, Banana Land, um, because that was my attempt to try to merge both sides of my person into one (laughs) into one place oh i get it now yeah banana because anna's my government name and everybody's always called me banana my mom's tells me but so um banana land on instagram uh i don't use a ton of facebook but i'm i call myself anna boo over there again smushing the two people together i have a website annabridge.com's backslash boobess i own boobessburlesque.com but i haven't turned it into a website yet even though i've been doing this for 11 years no big deal you can find me in new york city at bathtub gin every sunday and day i produce and host the show there under my brand new shiny brand new um production company that i call may we entertainment and may we entertainment has an instagram as well and then you know i'm all over new york so if you usually Instagram's definitely my favorite um, of the social medias, so 
that's the one to check out if you want to find out where I am performing next. Great. Thank you so much, Boobess. I will talk to you soon. You show my, I'll see you really soon. Thanks again, Boo. I am so looking forward to a New York City trip where I get to spend quality time with Boobess. It's going to be wonderful. Luckily, you too can spend quality time with Boobess and me this March at Front Row Paul's Burlesque Bonanza. Burlesque Bonanza is happening March 6th and 7th at the White Rabbit Cabaret in Indianapolis, Indiana. Tickets for Burlesque Bonanza will go on sale New Year's Eve at 2 p.m. For more information, definitely hop to Front Row Paul's Instagram and Facebook page. It's a wonderful time. I'm so glad I got to do it last year, and I'm so glad I'm being invited again. And I'm so, so, so glad I get another opportunity to spend time with Boo Bess. What a peach. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the Pasty Tapes. As always, so much love to Kyle H., the man with the hat, and Violet Passion. Special thanks also to Tony Tabasco, Kits and Sass, Rosalie Bloom, Fufu Kaboom, Big Moody Judy, Margot Royale, Frisky Business, and Pepper Darling. If you want to support The Pacey Tapes, please visit our website at thepaceytapes.com where you can learn more about joining The Pacey Tapes fan club, sponsoring an entire episode of the podcast, or contributing to the nuts and bolts that make this run. I am so, so, so grateful for all of the love and support that I've gotten this year. I definitely want to hear from you. If you want to leave me a voicemail or send me a text, you can do that at the Pasty Tapes hotline. The number there is 1-530-PASTIES. Tell me about your goals for 2020. Tell me about your favorite episode. Give a shout out to your burlesque crush. Say what's on your burlesque wish list. Tell me anything. I would be so glad to hear from you. It's also that special gift-giving season. If you want to give me a gift, give me the gift of leaving five stars on Apple Podcasts hitting that subscribe button, telling all your friends about the Pacey Tapes, and following me across the internet. You can find the Pacey Tapes on social media at the Pasty Tapes, and you can follow me across the internet at Show My More. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pacey Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, and I will talk with you soon. You have been listening to the Pasty Tapes. A burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening and see you later, ducklings. You can catch me across the Midwest this January and February. January 17th and 18th, I will be coming back to St. Louis. I will be competing in the Shimmy Showdown. Watch out, everyone. I am out for blood. I am ready to strike. It's going to be so much ridiculous fun on the 17th. And on the 18th, me and my esteemed competitors, I mean, really, there isn't that much of a competition anyway. I'm going to blow them all out of the water. Uh, We'll be performing at the Thaxton Speakeasy on the 18th. If you don't know about Shimmy Showdown, like, smack talking is half of it. So if that was very jarring, I'm sorry, but I'm not. This is fun. My life as a pro wrestling fan really pays off at the Shimmy Showdown. Anyway, Shimmy Showdown Weekender, January 17th and 18th in St. Louis. On January 25th, I will be the featured performer or the featured dish at Shrimp's O-Strip five-year anniversary show by Shrimp Cocktail with headliner Dirty Martini. And you can catch me February 21st in Chicago at the Newport Theater in Jezebelli's Essence of Glamour. I would love to come to your city this year. If you want to book me in your show or sponsor a live taping of the Pasty Tapes or just hang out and go on an ice cream date, send me an email at showmymore at gmail.com.